Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Schoolhouse Rocks. Uh, today, I am joined by three of my esteemed colleagues to talk about one of our very specific multi-tiered systems of support interventions that we're implementing at the elementary level. So I'm going to ask my guests to introduce themselves, and they're going to tell you what they do here in our school district and how they're involved in this initiative as you listen to this episode. So let's just start with who you are and what your role is here in the school district. Hi, everyone. It's Alyssa Bellardino, the Pre-K to 6 Humanities Supervisor. Hi, everyone. It's Kathy McInnes reading ISL at Franklin Elementary. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly Blessing, um, reading specialist at Nixon School. And I'm Chuck Sipe, the very proud assistant superintendent here at Roxbury Township Schools. So if you listened to our, one of our previous episodes, it in fact might have been the most recent before this, we talked about multi-tiered systems of support. So Dr. Santora, our superintendent, Dr. Zegar, the assistant principal of Lincoln Roosevelt, and Ms. Bellardino, who is back today with us, we gave an introduction about multi-tiered systems of support. We talked about what it is, how uh, we envision that becoming a huge impacting factor here in our school district, and how it relates directly with... Um, our vision for the implementation and relentless pursuit of goal number one, uh, which is focused on academic achievement and professional development for staff. And so today we're going to focus specifically on one of the implementation elements for our MTSS initiative, and that's Dibbles 8. And so let's tell you a little bit about what that is, because that may sound like a foreign language. And it probably is. So the purpose of what we're going to achieve today is to tell you a little bit about what it is, how it fits into MTSS approaches, as well as why it should matter to you as a parent or a community member. So let's start there. What is it? Why is it important? So I'll start. Um, when I think about MTSS and in particular looking at the elementary level for early intervention reading, um, one of the, the things that we have done in the past is partner with the New Jersey Department of Education and Rutgers University, um, knowing that one of our areas that we want to improve and become better experts at is reading in those um, early levels. And so when you think about Dibbles 8 and where it comes from, there's more than 30 years of research from the University of Oregon on Dibbles 8. And over um, many, many years, research has been done, but also the assessment itself has been changed and revised to um, connect with the science of reading in particular. So Dibbles 8 is a early literacy screener that assesses many of the most important indicators in reading um, in terms of phonics, fluency, and comprehension. And depending on what grade level your child is in, there are different assessments that your child's given. The really awesome part of this assessment is that they are one minute time tests. And I know my colleagues next to me are really excited to share what those subtests look like um, by different grade level. Hi, um, this is Kelly Blessing. So the subtests um, are different based on grade level. And um, some of the subtests include letter naming fluency, where the student is um, asked to recognize upper and lowercase letters in random order within one minute's time. Um, the second one is phonemic segmentation fluency, where students are given a word and they are asked to identify the sounds that they hear in that word. Um, another section is nonsense word fluency, so it's really important that students are able to read uh, words that are not real. And within that section, we have um, 
The student is given a word and they are asked to identify the correct letter sound in that word and also read the word correctly. If they can read the word correctly without identifying the letter sound, then they are asked to do so. Um, another section is the oral reading fluency passage. So um, here students are asked to um, read words that are uh, trick words or red words, uh, those non-phonetic words, um, as quickly as they can with one minute time. And then the upper grade students, so that would be grades uh, two and above, are asked to um, read a maze where they used context clues to identify a word um, that cor correctly fits the sentence within the passage um, that makes the most sense. All right, so I'm just going to jump in real fast because while you are all the experts in this field, so I'm going to play the role of translator, right? So what I just heard you say, and if I'm a parent listening and I'm wondering, well, that sounds very technical, and I'm glad that the educators in our school district are aware <laughs> of what those things mean. As a parent, I don't. Um, and one of the themes that have emerged in our podcast series is trying to translate <laughs> what we're doing here in the school district, not only why it should matter you know, to our community, but how as a parent I can use that information. And so what I just heard you say is if I'm the parent of a child in grades K through three, I don't know if we said that yet, but that's where we utilize mm -hmm. Dibbles 8 yep. as a universal screening tool. And we're going to talk about universal screening in a second. Uh, I heard that at home, while I may not be an educator or an expert in learning, um, teaching or learning, what I can do is work on helping my child recognize and identify upper and lowercase letters, which I think lots of parents do. Mm -hmm. They have their children write them. They, you can ask them what the letters are. Um, we can talk about sounds. Um, what sounds do those letters make? And we know that the English language can be tricky. We have some letters that make similar sounds, but at certain times they make the same sounds. At other mm -hmm. times they make different sounds. Um, the most important thing I think was that third test, which is nonsense words, right? Too often. And I think I probably did this as a parent. If I th look back on my own children's growth and development, mm -hmm. we kind of, um, pass up the opportunity to sound out nonsense words, right? If a child writes something nonsensical or they come across a word that we don't know, we're like, well, that's not a word. Don't worry about it. Right. Well, but there's value there. There's value in understanding what sounds letters make. Sometimes letters go together. And they make a different sound, right? S and H make their own unique sounds, but when we put them together, they make a different sound. Mm -hmm. um, same with oral reading fluency, having a child read aloud words that they see. Familiar words, you mentioned non-phonetic words. One of the things that's really tricky about the English language is we have all these wacky words that don't follow mm -hmm. the rules. Yeah. Um, while I don't know this for sure, you know, I feel like if you were to add up all of the words that don't follow the rules, perhaps there's more of them. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so that can be really tricky for, for a child and really cause frustration with reading. So as a parent, what I think is important to hear is when you interact, when you have the opportunity to interact purposefully with language, letters, and sounds with your child, take advantage of that opportunity. Celebrate those moments um, because there's lots of them. They're just maybe easy to miss in the goings-on of at-home life and parenting, and I think I probably missed plenty of my own, and I'm an educator. So I just wanted to kind of translate that because I'm so thankful that you all know what those things mean, but I want our parents to understand how that impacts their lives at home and how they can continue to be partners in learning. Sorry to cut you off. So I think when we go back to that universal screening component, like what does that look like exactly? So universal screening is administered to all students several times throughout the year. So the beginning of the year, the middle of the year, and the end of the year. And the goal is to identify students' performance relative to those benchmark expectations. And so that will then help us give us a lot of information as teachers to determine do changes need to be made to whole class instruction 
Um, what do our small groups look like within the classroom? And what do they look like if stu a student may require more intervention or instructional supports outside of the classroom? So one of the things we've done as a district is partner with the company Amplify that has brought a program called M-Class. M-Class is a platform that allows uh, teachers to administer Dibbles 8 um, using an online platform and driving that data out of the reports given, uh, the teacher is um, able to see their class grouped in small group instruction based on level where a student uh, has the most need presented. And from there, they're given different activities to help drive that instruction. One of my favorite parts of the platform of M-Class is actually the homeschool connection. It uh, allows a um, letter home to the families to be generated that breaks down each of the different components uh, that their uh, child has taken within Dibbles 8 and allows them to have activities that go uh, that connect with those different components for them to be able to do at home um, anywhere as to uh, different games they can play, books they can read, activities that they could do uh, to help reinforce what's being taught in school. All right. So that even further make um, raises our awareness of that communication, right? So earlier in the introduction of this podcast, I referenced how MTSS and Dibbles 8 connect directly with goal number one. But what I just heard Mrs. McGinnis share, which is really exciting for me, is a great connection with goal number five for our district, which is making that community connection. And I know that's been something that's been super important to Dr. Santora and the district at large, which is how do we continue to instigate more ongoing conversation and involvement with our parents, right? Education is a partnership between the school district, the parents, and the children, and it's an equitable partnership. We need everyone to feel valued and involved in that. So I'm really excited that you all, along with some of your colleagues, were, really came forward and said that this, how beneficial that program will be as a part of this implementation of a universal screener. And one of the pieces that I know convinced me that it was important was that piece that Mrs. McGinnis just, just shared with us, which is that homeschool connection, how we can take our data that we collect and make it something that's usable for parents at home. Yeah, I think those reports have been the the point for us that we it was like the aha moment, right? So as teachers, um, we find that one of the, the challenging parts is really like having the time to look through that data, score things, and be able to plan accordingly. And so this platform really helps to um, have students grouped no matter the need. Every learner, whether they are an advanced learner, an MLL, a student at risk, we are given instructional recommendations to support that intervention, the remediation, and the enrichment of every single learner. Um, whether it's a teacher looking at the report or a parent looking at the report, there are specific lessons that are like, hey, try this. Um, for example, one of the reports that was on a, a home letter, a home connect, was, okay, your child's struggling with phonological awareness. And the parent had the opportunity to have a little example like, hey, one thing that you could do is isolate beginning sounds. So if your child was not able to recognize the beginning sound of the letter M, have them try to find things in their house or when you're driving in the car that begin with the letter M. And so it's kind of like a fun game that they can play when they're in, they're in the car, quick and easy, that like everyone has. You don't need to buy any materials. It's a conversation with your kiddo. So I just want to jump on that. And, you know, research tells us, and I know as soon as I start a sentence with that, everyone's like, 
Like, let's time to pause. <laughs> um, but uh, seriously, so research tells us that early intervention is one of the most impactful ways to help support ch children's not only acquisition of language, but their implementation of expressive language, right? So how do they communicate and how do they receive communication? And so as a parent, I would hear what you just said, Ms. Bellardino, and be like, but I'm not the, the, the teacher. That's not my, like, I don't want to pound my kid with this, with like school 24 seven, right? Mm -hmm. Like there should be able to relax. And we, I hope that that's not what people hear because the point is there are lots of opportunities to engage purposefully and in a natural way, Absolutely. organically with language. Um, and trying to sort through some of those expressive and receptive language um, needs mm -hmm. early is one of the most impactful ways that we can support a child's academic success, not only now, but in the future. And so while you may, you know, I just want to emphasize that how critical that is to the growth and development of a child is their ability to utilize language appropriately and correctly. And that the core elements there really do connect back to what Miss Blessing said before, which is how do we identify letters? What sounds do they make? Right? Because that's the foundational basis for, you know, using written and spoken words. I think another great thing about M class is it really is such a comprehensive system that brings about um, every type of learner meeting the student where they're at. Um, it also provides for that homeschool connection um, available in dual language. Um, so uh, it is is really reaching students and families where they are. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Kathy. I think it is so helpful to have that that home connect. Um, I think one of the, the questions that I have in my mind that families might have is like, why does it matter and what is the impact that it's going to have on our students? And so I think the why is, how do we work with kiddos that are at the most influential time of their life to learn these things and to be successful with so much support in place, right? So you have so many different learners, but you have a team of teachers that are making database decisions around the information that we're getting from Dibbles, right? So it's not like they take it, all right, we're just going to do another assessment in the middle of the year and the end of the year. I think that this data is giving us so many opportunities for additional conversations. Why are we making the decisions that we're making? What is the data to back it up? And how do we goal set for our students to make sure that our students are progressing um, with all the scaffolds that they may or may not need? So I just want to throw that that comment back to Mrs. Blessing and, and Ms. McGinnis about how do we goal setting for, for students, right? So if I'm a teacher now and I hear that, and we're going to get into a little bit further down about how this impacts our colleagues in a second, but um, I'm kind of hearing like, yeah, but I have 20 some odd children likely in my class. Setting goals for each of them can be um, feel unwieldy, right? That can feel like a lot of, lot of extra work. So what's that look like and how does this, how will this system actually make that work easier? Because I think that's the true reality, right? Mm -hmm. Anything new brings um, concern, right? Mm -hmm. Change is difficult. Um, but the, the overarching piece here is that we anticipate that the utilization in, of this tool, the collection of the data associated with it will actually make the goal setting easier and help us design goals that are more attainable. So let's talk about that so parents can understand what the inside of the classroom looks like a little bit. Sure. Um, so this uh, information will help us with day-to-day -day planning for activities for our students. And um, the reports will uh, generate students' um, students levels based on benchmarks. So three times a year, they will be assessed at their benchmark level. And um, with this information, we'll be able to see if the students are well below benchmark, um, at benchmark, above benchmark, and using this data will help us provide activities that are um, appropriate for each student at their level. 
So um, it will allow us to, as a school, to use our resources better, um, which teachers uh, should support which students, um, tier our students. And um, it'll also make sure that each student, student is on track and becoming a fluent reader. After the first um, benchmark is given, um, M the M class platform um, sets up each uh, student individualized goal uh, already set. And uh, not only does it do individualized goal, but then it puts uh, places them into a small group um, and gives them activities based on the skill that they're learning, uh, both individual and small group as well. One of the pieces that I think, um, you know, my colleagues are referring to too, is once we have that goal and we know a student is struggling, a student struggling, what happens, right? What does that look like? So we do something called progress monitoring. And what that includes is over the course of a few weeks, we are tracking data and we are, you know, giving instruction on those specific things that the child needs to see if progress is made. So these goals are customizable to the student um, on the platform. And then we are setting that time of, okay, let's check back in two weeks. We're going to do um, you know, another assessment, what improved? Did anything improve? Do we need to adjust the goal? And how do we go from there? Um, and so the M-Class platform really helps us to make achievable, timely, specific goals for our students. And that's exciting because we know that those the words that Alyssa just described, and we've talked about them a lot of times in various podcast episodes, um, is what high quality feedback looks like. That's how we grow and learn. So um, the piece we haven't really talked about yet is where all of this came from. Now, certainly Dibbles 8 isn't, a, you know, gathering universal screener data isn't a new phenomenon, um, but our engagement in this tool and with um, Amplify for M-Class is. And while the ladies here may not say this, I will as part of the setup for them to talk a little bit about it. The three of them and some of their colleagues, and let's name them so we can give them a shout out here as we talk about it. Um, have really worked hard to apply for and earn a grant. Um, and it's a training grant. And so when we hear grant, we often think money. Uh, money mm -hmm. is, is great. Um, mm -hmm. But sometimes the, the support that you get is more valuable than that. And I think in this instance, the partnership in this grant, which is with some really great colleagues from Rutgers University, um, is, is far more beneficial to the longevity of the implementation here and the benefits for our students than money probably would be. So let's talk a little bit about the work you guys did to earn that grant and what has happened as a part of the rollout of that award as well as this tool, because the three of you, along with a, a bunch of others, have worked really hard to prepare for the implementation of this, um, for, of this tool for Universal Screener. This is uh, super exciting for us. Um, we did uh, apply um, a very lengthy application um, mm -hmm. to um, kind of have the opportunity to share with the Rutgers uh, folks exactly what we have been doing so far in Dibbles 8 and the work we've done with a specific tier three instruction uh, and where we still feel like we can grow, what areas uh, we need to expound on and get better on and how we could benefit from the support they're providing via the grant, which is a three-year grant uh, commitment that Rutgers has given to us um, after a series of uh, interviews yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, having our application uh, looked over. Uh, we were awarded the grant along with uh, five other school districts, I believe, to what makes uh, the grant uh, cohort five. And uh, the journey that that looks like is something that we've already uh, begun. 
Yeah, I think one of the benefits of partnering with the New Jersey DOE and, um, you know, Rutgers University is we also have a grant team here in Roxbury, right? So it's a big grant with the state and Rutgers, but we also have a fantastic grant team here that I absolutely want to make sure that we make mention of because they have put a tremendous amount of support, time, energy into making this be successful and continuing a conversation that needs to be had. Um, so, you know, I definitely want to say that the ISL teachers at Franklin and Nixon, you have Kathy McGinnis here, um, Mary Beth Urban, Kelly Blessing, and Karen Curtis over at Nixon Elementary School. And I do want to thank the principals who have been part of this conversation, Brian Hamer over at Franklin and Danielle Lynch, for being a part of this training, having this conversation of what does it look like at the school level um, for us to really make the connection to get even larger, right? So how do we start at two schools and then bring it to the four elementary schools? And so um, obviously Dr. Seip and Dr. Santor have been a huge um, part of this process as well to have their support, um, but to also all be on the same page and for us all to see the value in this type of assessment and this universal screener and how it can benefit our students. And when I say that, it's not just the students, you know, at Franklin or at Nixon. Um, I speak to every single administrator that I mentioned or ISL teacher sees it as our students. We have ongoing conversations at the district level. We have weekly meetings in professional learning communities as reading experts. Um, and if someone has a question about a student at their school, it is a conversation that we work together and put our expertise together to make sure that that student gets what they need. So I, I just want to jump in. I would never um, speak for someone else, but I think in this instance, I can definitely include the sentiments of Dr. Santora. Uh, he and I are very thankful for the three of you, as well as your colleagues uh, at Franklin and Nixon, who've worked really hard to educate yourselves about what this looks like and come up with a real comprehensive plan um, for rollout. And I know that that comprehensive plan also includes um, educating your colleagues, right? So you all have done an extensive amount of individualized, oof, that was difficult for me. Um, so I'm going to go back to identifying sounds that may have, may have looked like a nonsense word on paper if it was written, but it wasn't. All right, so let's try, let me try that again. Uh, you have all done an incredible amount of individual work to grow your own professional knowledge in terms of what a universal screener looks like. How do you use Dibbles 8? Like all of the things you've spoken about, while you may have had some baseline knowledge, I know over the last couple of months, you've worked and made a commitment personally and as a group to working together to prepare for rollout. And you've included some colleagues from other schools, so they're prepared for the rollout next year while we pilot at Franklin and Nixon this year. So let's talk about that. What have you, what steps have we taken? Because everything I've heard sounds like a lot, right? So if I'm a teacher, I might be thinking, my goodness, there's a lot coming, even though the benefits sound great because you've described them. Um, what steps have we taken to make sure that everyone's prepared to, um, to hit the ground running with this exciting initiative? So I'll let my colleagues share from their perspective how we've started to roll it out. But the one piece that I want to say is that I think we've done a really awesome job of like gradually releasing the responsibility of Dibbles. And so when you think about how do we do this, I think part of it is coaching, right? How do our experts help our teachers to become experts and really confident in what they're doing? So I'm going to pass it to my colleagues to share what that looks like, that coaching in the classroom. So, so, so far we've met as a faculty at faculty meetings to discuss Dibbles and M class and the impl implementation of it. 
And um, beginning next week, we're going to be working with our teachers side by side, coaching them to help them learn how to use M-Class and implement it with their students. And um, the training will take place where we'll actually sit together, working side by side, assessing students so that we have accurate data that we can use. Come January, we will uh, go in as an ISL team into each classroom and partner with the teacher uh, as we administer Dibbles 8 using the M-Class platform together. Um, and then uh, we will uh, be trained on how to review the reports and read the data to help drive that small group instruction. So it's a, I, w what I'm hearing, which is really exciting for me in a couple of ways, is I love the idea that we have this critical friendship going on where we have educator pairs and partners working together side by side with a systematic and methodical rollout partnered with a a, you know, a system of trainings and experiences. Um, I, I'm really impressed with the amount of time and energy you have all put into preparing what that would look like to make it um, kind of a smooth implementation for your colleagues, because sometimes that's not what happens. It's, you know, my experience over the years as a teacher is like, here's this thing, go do it now. Um, and it sounds that in, in, you know, almost every way, it's quite the opposite. Um, and so I'm really excited by that. And I know that recently you all ran a kind of a large scale in, introductory yeah. training for everyone. Um, provided lots of resources. So you've already shared a lot of front loaded a lot of the information so people can review it at their convenience, mm -hmm. which I think is also very considerate because, you know, that gives people an opportunity to prioritize things, you know, for themselves professionally and personally as they prepare for that. Um, but more importantly, that side by side piece, I think is important, allowing colleagues to work together. Hopefully that allows no one to feel isolated mm -hmm. or on an island. Uh, I know that um, Alyssa, you've always you've been very available for questions and support. You know, the ongoing implementation. So, uh, as we come to wrap up, if one of our groups, the parents, right, people who we hope are listening to this, are thinking like, well, I could use some support in further understanding what this looks like, um, I'm just going to reiterate some of those parent tips, um, and I would say it all synthesizes down into something really consumable, which is in an appreciation that. Um, introductory language receptive and expressive how do we how do we take in language and how do we let go of language um, being such a cornerstone for reading and communication at an early age we know this is an important initiative so capitalize on those opportunities where you can reinforce sounds and letters with early learners and context of language with kind of those upper elementary second third grade students um, is kind of what I would take away from this but what other tips and ideas would you share if you had one thing to share if a parent said but what should i do with this what what's one piece of advice you could give um to a parent if i were a colleague and i said i need you know what's my one big priority so let's let's make that how we wrap this up so the information will um, provide you with your students strengths and weaknesses so carefully um when you're looking at your student if they do have weaknesses remember they have strengths in language as well I'd have to say be intentional uh, about uh, the goals that are set before you uh, to allow your child's love of reading to just come to life. Um, so be intentional. I think for me, one of the, the big components that stick out are continuing to read aloud to your child um, and continue to introduce your child to larger vocabulary. It's okay that to use like a big word in front of, the, in front of them and be like, hmm, I wonder what that means, right? Let's talk it out. Or, you know, I'm going to read to you tonight. No matter the age, there's so many benefits of reading aloud to children or letting them read aloud to you. Um, so continue to do that. And, and that can look like turn-taking too. Absolutely. I'll read one page, you read one page, something like that. Yep. And 
Awesome. Those are really great ways for us to sum up. I love Kelly uh, emphasizing that every reader has strength. Yep. Every student has strengths. And quite frankly, we all have weaknesses, which can just really be translated into areas for continued growth, right? Everyone can continue to grow. Everyone has strengths. I love that. And Kathy, your your emphasis on intentionality, make an intentional effort to embrace the idea that this is important work, but it's natural. It's organic, right? We communicate all the time, um, both in spoken word and in written word. How do we make an intentional effort to make that something that's special between a parent and a child, between a teacher and a child, and between a teacher and a parent, right? That, that ongoing communication between the educators and the parents is so valuable as well because we don't want our children to get mixed messages, right? And if we all celebrate the importance of this work, then it sends a unified message to the children that what they are doing is important and that we value and see them and we love celebrating their growth as a collective team. So I'm just really excited about this initiative. I want to thank you all as well as your colleagues that have worked to do so much introductory work to get this initiative off the ground. We're excited to see how this data improves our students' learning experience. Um, it, again, if you're a parent, teacher, community member, and you have any questions, please do not hesitate to reach out. Um, but this is just one more episode in a series of episodes we're going to do about what are multi-tiered systems of support and what are we doing here in the district to support our children. Thanks for listening and have a great day.